Flo here with a word that's just weird. Terry cloth. Who exactly is Terry? And why does he get his own fabric? Did he journey below SPF 50? Fight off some weeds and his daffodils? Hmm. How about a word for everyone? Flotection. Yeah, I just made it up. But I'm not making up how great it feels when me and Progressive protect your new home. Ever think of that, Terry? No. Terry only thinks of himself. Save an average of 17% on car insurance when you bundle home and auto through Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Welcome back to the Off Top Podcast. Uh, we've, it's been like six days since our last podcast. It's my fault. I've been all over the place. Went to New York and back. And my schedule was crazy. Uh, oh, man. Otherwise known as the Ninth Seed Podcast. I'm here with my guy, Legend of Winning. Say what's up. Yo, what up, podcast people? It's the one and only Legend of Winning, a.k.a. Low. Shout out to Agent, because that was a, a pretty solid podcast name. Yeah, it was, man. I like it. All right, so uh, a lot has happened since the six days where we've last talked. It's gotten to the point where I don't even like to talk to stuff near you, Low, because you know, I don't want to re-repeat everything on the podcast, but we just watched the Cavalier game against the 76ers. Twitter is going crazy, of course, so is Reddit. A lot of people saying that the 76ers might have a real shot, and they wouldn't be surprised if they made the finals just based on what they've seen today. Not even going to get into the free throws just yet. Yo, what do you think about... you? you I'm assuming you watched the whole game, yeah? Yeah, I basically watched the whole game, yeah. All right, I only caught, like, the fourth quarter and a bit of the third. So, uh, what did the 76ers do right? Because they got off to an insane lead. What they did right was control the pace. Um, they're one of the fastest teams in the NBA, and their ability to sustain whatever pace they want to sustain is something that I think a lot of people overlook when it comes to the um, type of principles and qualities that certain teams have. And the uh, the Sixers are definitely a up-tempo pace team, especially with the uh, absence of Joel Embiid. And they really space out the floor. I give out a lot of credit for uh, J.J. Redick and Bellinelli. Not only were they running the floor, but they were running to their spots from behind the arc. But outside of that, I can't really speak too much else of what else they did positively. It was just that that pace really threw off the Cavaliers because they're not too used to running up and down the court like that. Or at least having any type of consistency running up and down the court in which, in, in which they did um, in the first half. Yeah, interestingly enough, uh, this was a game Embiid wasn't even playing. And I don't know what it is. The flow of the team, just with or without Embiid, it's, it almost feels like the situation with John Wall, where even when he's not there, just because the the way that, I don't know if it's the way the team is coached, but just their offensive sets, their ball movement, they find ways to score, even without that star talent there. Uh, so literally, immediately after the game, Joel Embiid hopped on Twitter. He's like, trust the process. Got a whole lot of retweets and favorites, of course. Joel Embiid is one of the biggest characters in the NBA. And and, and the most, I'd say my favorite, just in terms of like entertainment. He's always there. But we got to talk about it, though. What's, what's happening, all right? The game is coming down to the wire. The Cavs are down three. LeBron gets fouled as he's going up for a three-point shot by, I believe, Covington. And then everyone's looking around like, Covington, what are you doing, man? You don't foul a three-point shooter. It was a horrible percentage shot. Like, it wasn't a good shot he was taking. Give him the shot. LeBron goes to the free throw line. He has a chance to prove to himself. You know, Skip Bayless was just, he was just salivating at the thought of LeBron missing a free throw. He hits the first. He misses the second. And is forced to miss the third to force, like, to get some sort of rebound. I believe it was, a uh, was it Larry Nance who just flew in? To almost get the tip, yeah, yeah, uh, it was it was Nance who almost tipped it in. Yep, 
Yo, he missed his second free throw in the clutch. A moment where he had... It's low. They're called free throws, right? I get the pressure. And, you know, the game is winding down. You're going up against the 76ers. This might be a playoff matchup. And so you want to prove it. He missed the free throw. I'm trying not to make projections based on one missed free throw, right? But... I'm just saying they're free throws low. That's that's LeBron I think, yeah, James, you, I think bro. You, you're doing. I mean, I understand it's a big deal, but uh, I, I think the the Cavs have bigger problems on their hand because the way that they were able to be, um, the way that the Sixers were able to just dictate the pace for majority of the game. And if anything, that that's the problem that I have. Um, but LeBron was able to really dictate it towards the end of the third quarter, entering the fourth, and really slow it down and, and bully ball inside because. Since the absence of Joel and B, they were kind of running small ball lineups with Illasova out there at the four and the five. So, <laughs> I think I think that's the takeaway from the Cavs is that even even though they lost this game, they still have veteran players on their team that are able to dictate the pace. Because even Kevin Love got down there a few a few possessions as well. So, I'm not too concerned about the miss free throws. I'm I'm more so concerned of how exactly the Cavs are going to find a way to compete or eventually even beat the 76ers. And I think, like I said before, just slowing them down it was a huge way they were able to kind of come back and dictate it. But I will say this, though. No team wants to see Philadelphia in in the first, second, or even the third round if they're able I, to make it I, that far. I mean, I don't know about the finals, but I'd like to see them in like the Eastern Conference finals. You wouldn't want to you see You know what's that. crazy? I think they can make it, too. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know about finals. To be... To win the f- actually now with the Celtics uh, dealing with all those injuries, it is a possibility. Oh, this, this, the Celtics, the Celtics might not make it out the first round, but if they do, right now because the Sixers just beat the Cavs, the Sixers actually have a uh, have the third seed, so they would actually face the Celtics in the second round. And I I feel like they can just beat the Celtics just based off the fact that the Celtics are suffering from injuries and they just don't have the talent. And then in the conference finals. Not saying that I have them going to the finals, but like I said before, they they have the talent to compete with whatever team in the conference finals. I just feel like the experience that both the Cavs and the Raptors have, they should be they should be able to overcome the the young and upcoming uh, Philadelphia 76ers. But I mean, that's that's a bad team right there, man. That's a that's a really really bad team, man. Y'all y'all gotta watch out for that team in the Eastern Conference. You know what's interesting? Because the Cavs now dropped to fourth. The Raptors finally snagged the first scene. They locked it in with their win against the Pacers. And now the Raptors will face the Cleveland Cavaliers before the Eastern Conference Finals again. So uh, a lot like last year where they faced them and then Boston got a chance to move on and then face them in the Eastern Conference Finals. It seems like it's going to be ECF semi-conference final matchup, which I guess sucks for Raptor fans because the whole point of getting first seed was having to not deal with the Cavs until like just to be able to cruise a little bit, right? You go up against either Washington or Milwaukee, they're winning that series. And then who they go up against next is the four and five. Four and five. Yeah, the four and five. So now it's between both Cleveland and Indiana. Indiana team who, uh, if you allow me to segue, is, I don't want to say having some struggles, but there's definitely some inconsistencies there that I was watching the game against the Raptors. They just, I don't know, I don't know what it is, but they were just, they were locked down. They weren't getting much shots up, not good high percentage shots. And it just, it was literally polar opposites of the Cleveland Philly game, where it was super high scoring. Both teams had like 120, 130 points. 
Indiana finished the game with like 70-something, right, or 80-something. Like, they, they weren't... And so, if I'm a Raptors fan, which I am, of course I want the matchup to be against uh, Indiana. But anyway, we'll see how it goes. It's an it's a interesting... If, if somebody told you, Lo, that the Cleveland Cavaliers are going finish to finish the Eastern Conference in the fourth seed, you would have thought they were crazy, man. Regardless of injuries, even if LeBron went down, I would have told you, nah, they're probably still going to get the two seed. But so what? So 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 would you say that they're underachieving this year or they're disappointed? Yeah, what do you mean? Yeah, of course they're underachieving. It's not even a question. Yeah, because okay. I, I thought be about it. They're the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference. They were supposed I, to be the team that cruises to the finals, like they always yeah. do, according to history. And so a lot of people just projected based on history said Cleveland's going to make it back uh, against Golden State. Of course, Golden State's in a different situation because they're dealing with injuries to star players. You can argue Kevin Love was the same with Cleveland, but not nearly as much as the KD or Curry going down or even Klay Thompson getting injured, right? Yeah, that's underachievement. That's the definition of underachieving is what they've been doing, you know? I just, the only reason why I asked because I, I thought and about and not low, trying remember, to figure out. A lot of people were saying from the jump, that either struggles in January and February is not competitor come playoff time. And you look at this team, you lose to the 76ers, and you give them the three seed, they're going to have to win their last few games to try and fight for it back. Assuming that the 76ers, a team who's on a 13-game winning streak, will lose their next couple of games. I don't know, man. It's just not a good look. And it may, I'm a little disappointed because I'm like, damn, we can't just wait till the Eastern Conference Finals for that matchup. God. Uh, but we'll see how it goes, man. I think Indiana Cleveland is going to be a good challenge. Uh, even though a lot of people just assume playoff LeBron will come out of nowhere and sweep the Pacers or whoever they have in the second or third round. It'd be a good matchup if they play four and five. And the only reason why I really bring up the fact that the Cavaliers could possibly be underachieving is, like you stated before, in the beginning of the season, I just felt like there were so many people who were, and, and rightfully so, I mean, they added a lot of pieces to the roster. It was just so many people who were anticipating this roster to be so deep, so many veterans. LeBron, quote-unquote, had the help that he was longing for over the past uh, few years. But, like you said, the fact that, and they're still a playoff team, and I definitely don't think anyone thought that there was any any chance of them not being a playoff team. But the fact that they're the fourth seed, that's that's a bit of a stretch right there. And the fact that they're even struggling to to be one of the top four teams in the Eastern Conference is also a stretch. So I don't no, know. And I'm also I'm about, to, I'm about to make a video about it too. So that's the reason why you make a video about the people making excuses for this guy LeBron, bro. LeBron misses the second free throw. Team loses the game because of him, and immediately they turn around. They're like, "Yo, he had a forty point triple double. Stop complaining. It wasn't him. It was his team." And so it's the same excuse you'll see a lot of superstars get, like Giannis, where they start to deflect responsibility on other guys. And, of course, Kevin Love, like, wildly breaked a shot late in the game. But, I mean, players like J.R. Smith stepped up and hit shots. But, low, uh, that guy. And we need to make note of this because I, this is the first time I've ever seen him play. Calderon was out and also George Hill was out, which means the third-string point guard was playing. And in my mind, I'm thinking, why don't you just run LeBron at point guard? But that's not what they did. There's this guy called Seti Usman, if I'm not mistaken. That's his name. Seti Osman Os- won. Well, two, if he, he's if not he, a point, he's not a point guard. He's a uh, forward. Three, I don't know. Uh, I don't know um, why you don't believe that he should have been playing anyway. Because no, no, uh, no. Because I'm saying it's the lack of depth that gave him the minutes late in the game. But he, I don't know what he finished with. But I know late in the fourth quarter he was two for eleven. And forget the stats for a second. The guy was just missing shots he should have been making. Like, and, and it wasn't looking pretty. 
And I was on a chat the whole time and people were like, yo, this guy's wildin'. And I had to Google him like, yo, who is this guy? And so in this certain situation, if a LeBron fan said to me, yo, this guy said he is some garbage, then I'd have been like, yo, I'm not going to lie to you, bro. He looked like he single-handedly is the reason why you guys didn't complete the comeback and win the game. Because LeBron did play a good game. So in this specific circumstance, I'm willing to give LeBron a break. Not just because he scored a lot of points in the triple-double, but because there was one individual teammate who almost felt like he was going out of his way to sabotage the team. This is what it felt like, Lo. He was missing everything, man. You know you know, you know, know who Seti Osman is? He's like the uh, the uh, the deli for this team now. When Matthew Delodobo was on this Dye. roster. I can't stand yeah. that guy. That, that's who he... I mean, he, he's not like the... He's not the same defender, or he's not the guy that gets underneath your skin. He's Turkish, but bro. He's, it's pronounced Osman. I'm telling you, bro. I'm telling you. If he's Muslim, it's pronounced I don't know. Osman. I'm, I don't know what I'm calling him, and I know what I've heard other people call him. But like, the, the only reason why I say this is because um, he's like he's like one of those fan favorite guys you just throw out there. Like he's not really that good, but a everyone gets favorite. hyped when he's he, everyone gets hyped when he's so on like the floor. a Biombo, basically. Uh no, Biombo was better. Biombo was. No, I'm not saying in terms of skill, just in terms of like the. I, you say the main thing he provided was height. And I'm like, I think he did the opposite of that today. But if that's what he did, then all right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he definitely he's not going to be like consistently out there giving you some productive minutes. But every now and then, come out there, you know, give you some minutes here and there, play a little rough, tough, give you nah, a little energy. I'm not lie. He was moving. he was too sus. It looked like. It looked like they took a guy. Oh yeah, he's sus. He he's sus. Don't get me wrong, he's sus. But still, you know, you get out there, give you a couple of minutes, energy guy. Actually, um, who did they play before? Not a couple minutes. That before? guy was playing heavy minutes in the, in the fourth well, who, quarter. Who, who did they play the um night before? Who did they play play last time? I can't remember who they just played not too long ago. Uh, I don't remember. He made he made the game. He made the game winning steal. It was John Wall. John Wall. He was playing the Wizards. And John Wall turned the ball over, and he's the one who made the game-winning steal. Oh, so that's so, why they kept him in the fourth quarter of this game. No, I mean, because he, he's made multiple really right, I mean, I mean, multiple I, plays. I, I, I haven't watched the guy to know. But this, this you the obviously, first time you I obviously don't know. Your shout-out to my man, Seti. I'm not going to let Agent hate on you, because he obviously I'm, I'm doesn't know basketball. I'm not hating, though. I'm just... No, you, I'm don't, just, you don't know basketball, so you don't know who Seti I'm, is. I'm telling so just chill you out. that there's this guy who single-handedly shot the team out the game. And if it was Carmelo or for his, if it was Wiggins, you would have jumped on him like, "Yo, this is what he did." Seti's a rookie, though. I listen. I understand. Just to, like the context alone. If you're if you're missing your shots, like for example, I've seen. We we're just watching the Timberwolves game. Cat passes up some shots. If he's not 100 percent confident, he's gonna make it. I don't know what kind of ego Young Seti has, man. But there's a point where you realize, like, my name is not Kobe. I can't keep chucking up these shots and I'm not making nah, them, right? Nah, bro. Seti, keep taking your shots, Seti. Nah, see, don't that's let, just don't horrible advice. He's the reason they lost the game. Know, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't watch basketball. He doesn't watch you. Let Seti eat. Hashtag let Seti eat. So, uh, when their depth restores and the injuries the injuries that they've been plagued with are, are finally over, he's getting no minutes, right? He's, he has a chance now to prove himself. If whatever you're saying is true, though, he's a rookie, Turkish guy, very high potential. Well, you didn't say that, but based on I'm your enthousiasm. I didn't say high potential. Based he's on just, your he's enthusiasm, a, he's I'm guy. assuming. He's, a, he's, he's an energy guy. Okay. He's an energy guy. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see if he gets minutes in the playoffs uh, when, the, when, the, when the rotation is cut short. Also, very questionable decision to 
to keep him out there late. And in 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 a similar it's not length, a, it's, not well, a, it's not a it's not a questionable decision. It it's is, actually it a is, really though. good. No, it's a good it's decision like, because you put how? yourself in a situation. Be, you put you put yourself in a situation where, as the Cavs, you really don't care who you face in the first or second round. To be completely honest with you, you do. Be, be, no, you don't. You don't really care. So who and, would you rather two, face if you're the Cavaliers? The Celtics in the second round that are injury ridden, or the Raptors? Because the base- Cavs don't. The Cavs don't care because they're supposed to make the finals anyway. Yeah, they I don't get care. that. But part of that is taking the easiest possible route, and that's what LeBron's been it's, doing. There's no for the- easy route. They're going to have to play the um, Raptors regardless. But so it's, who cares? It's, I get what you're saying right now, Lo. I understand that. But you don't want to have to play a team earlier. Like you don't play a team that's good earlier just because you're going to end up playing them regardless. You don't know what's going to happen, whether injury is going to occur or left or right. And oh, come on, there's no, no, there's no reason. Look, you can't I, just... I, I shout out, I shout out to um, don't, don't to, uh, Ty Lu. I give Ty Lu props for actually going out there and putting out some other players around LeBron. Why? Giving Why are them some you burn. doing this right now? Because you're trying. Because you need to give them reps. You can't just keep running the same. Now eight is not players. the time. They'll get, is. It's they'll fine. get it's George fine. Hill and Jose Calderon back. First like, of all, George. First, he's not a point guard. I don't know why. I don't know what. Why you because think he's it's a point the lack guard. of depth. Why he had to reach so deep into his rotation to play some of these guys. That and it's the same don't get thing minutes. that happened to um Delhi. They had to reach no, into their bag because though. Kyrie got hurt. Well, Kyrie. I, I, I can't speak on, I, I don't know, because Del Vidova was a defensive guy. He provided some threes for you offensively, and he did his thing. He got an opponent's brain. From what I see, he was doing none of that. But I watched You watched games. like five minutes I'll, of this man. You watched five minutes of him, so chill I'll, out. I'll All watch. Right, we, we so, uh, let's switch it up. Uh, we're watching, no, you are not allowed to talk shit about Wiggins because I know it's coming. But I do want to talk about the Timberwolves. Uh, we're just how can watching. I not talk about Wiggins and then talk about the Timberwolves? Because we can't, we can't, we can't every week talk about how bad Wiggins is shooting. He's shooting bad. We understand, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the Timberwolves were just playing the Lakers, and they ended up closing out the game. But interestingly enough, there is one minute left, and both Carl Anthony Towns and Wiggins are both in the game. The, the lead is like about twelve or fifteen. So it's enough. It's to the point where like you would sub them out, and. I got flashbacks, of course, of the D. Rose injury. The first injury D. Rose got, if you remember, Thibodeau was the coach for the Bulls. And he did the same thing in a game where it's already been done. Like, it's over, it's said and done. Sub out the guys that could potentially get injured or re- or need rest. He didn't do either of those. D. Rose got his first major injury. And so that's why a lot of people in the stigma around Tom Thibodeau began that he overworked players. That, as well as the fact that Jimmy Butler was, oh, it was Lowell Deng at the time, then Jimmy Butler afterwards, were leading the league in minutes. And it was always a Thibodeau player that was up there, right? Uh, so he did it again today, and it seemed like they were scratching and clawing with the, the, the Lakers, who almost felt like they were trying to lose, Low, They were playing bench players. It, wasn't, it, wasn't, it didn't feel like they were trying to lose. They were just trying to lose. So the Timberwolves, are, they might not make the playoffs, depending on how these next few games go. Uh, if you're a Minnesota Timberwolves fan, Low, what's your how how worried should you be about this team? Um, you should be pretty concerned. I mean, they, they pulled out this win, and so that that's one down, and another I believe three more to go. But I mean, the biggest reason why you should be concerned is because of the um the Nuggets game. They they play the Nuggets for the the season, um e- the the uh, last game in the season, mm-hmm. and. I don't necessarily know how that game is going to go, especially depending on how important that game is towards the end of the year. 
So that that is a game where you have to be concerned, and they can't really lose another game. I mean, they they can't lose because the thing is, right now they own the um the the season series. I think they're up two to one to the Nuggets. However, I don't necessarily know what happens if they tie two to two. So since that is a possibility, you just don't need to lose any more games for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. And even though I know you're saying I can't talk about them, but I mean. Wiggins and Towns both just got to step it up because there's no rhyme or reason for them to be playing this poorly. And there's no rhyme or reason why Jimmy Butler should be rushed back out on the floor just so they can compete and, and beat the um, the Lakers. That that makes absolutely no sense. So so I, interestingly I, enough, Lo, uh, a lot of people are talking about the Timberwolves sneaking into the playoffs, snagging that eight seed. There's no, they're only half a game back from OKC, San Antonio, and New Orleans. But more than that, if you're Minnesota, you shouldn't just settle with getting an eight seed. You're going to get obliterated by Houston. If anything, you stand your best chance, hopefully sneaking up to a six or a five seed. But if you can't, at least sneaking up to a seven seed to face uh, the Golden State Warriors without Stephen Curry. So it's, it's not even that like whether they make the playoffs or not. Because let's be honest, if they don't make the playoffs, then there's going to be serious questions about Thibodeau. There's going to be even more serious because there's already serious questions about Wiggins. And then I think Cat will eventually get thrown into the question as well. Uh, because, I mean, Jimmy Butler makes a difference on that team for sure. But without him, you should be able to beat some of these teams that they're losing to. Half a game ahead of Denver, who's making a pretty good case on a four-game win streak on why they deserve to be in the playoffs. It's an interesting scene. Like for all we know, low New Orleans can drop out the playoffs. Denver and Minnesota make it in, or that goes with San Antonio, or even OKC, which uh, I think would be hilarious. Now I actually want to see OKC in the playoffs, but there's gonna be some serious mellow and Paul George slander, even Westbrook slander, if for whatever reason they slip out. Because I know people are thinking they. they I'm, have not, to... I'm not even entertaining that idea because in my mind. They they're not they're, they better not just let's just say let's just say they better not slip out of the playoffs. Let's just keep it like that, because in my mind they're a playoff team, and even though I know there's a possibility for them not to be in the playoffs, I haven't even ran that hypothetical past my mind yet. So I'm just gonna act like they're a playoff team and just keep it like that. <laughs> All That's right, well, I'm, I'm a. Doing, I'm a I'm a, I'm a, here's their schedule uh, for the rest of the season. So, oh my God. All right. So they play the Rockets. Uh, it says today, 830. Oh, that's what I, okay. So, cause it's past midnight. So they what play the Rockets face. tomorrow. Yeah, sorry. I, we record these podcasts mad late. Sometimes the days get mixed. Rockets next. Then the Heat, which I know like people are thinking, oh, they're going to beat the Heat. The Heat have been doing good recently. And then what should be like a really easy cruise win is against the Grizzlies. And so you'd expect them to at least get the Grizzlies and the Heat win, but the Rockets is a question mark. And so if if OKC loses one of those three games, and for whatever reason, Denver and Minnesota win the rest of their schedule, which isn't possible because I think they're playing each other, but if one of those teams wins the rest of their schedule, lo, I'm just saying there's a chance. Now, there's also a possibility that Houston rests their players. I've um, Did they secure the... Yeah, yeah, they, they secured the first seed. So they really could just pretend like somebody got injured like other teams are doing and then start to rest all of their players. And, and, that's, like, and, that's, and that's the big reason why I've already said that they're going to make the playoffs. Because, again, there's no rhyme or reason. Because I don't, I don't think Harden is going to play. And I don't think Chris Paul is going to play either. <laughs> 
But there is no rhyme or reason for them not to be in the playoffs. And just just in case people are um, wondering, the Nuggets they play the um, the Clippers today, which uh, like agent said is going to be Saturday. Then they play the Trailblazers, and then they play the um, Timberwolves. So it's only three more games for the Nuggets. And I, I guess technically speaking, the Clippers are still in the race. But I mean, if they lose a game, then they'll be out. Then Portland. I don't know what Portland may be trying to do. They may maybe resting some players because they already have. I'm pretty sure they already got the third seed. Um, kind of. No, I don't up. think they will. It makes sense for them to fight for home court. That's a good seed to be in right there. Uh, I mean, but I'm just saying. I, I don't think I'm trying to. Figure, I got to look at the standings. To see if they win close. one game, they can rest the rest of their players as long as they are winning the tiebreaker versus Utah. So they could they could take two oh, days off. Oh no no no, they're fine. They're fine. If the Portland is fine against Portland, just has to win one more game, and I think they'll be fine. Yeah. So I mean, it, it may come down to the the last game of the season. Like I said, the Denver and um Minnesota series, and like man, look man, I know you don't want me to talk about him, but if <laughs> Wiggins choke, if Wiggins if he chokes, if he chokes, man, like we're gonna have to have a real conversation. We're gonna have to, man. Okay, I wanna I wanna have this conversation with you because I know it's been happening for the last few years now, and he, he as a player has been kind of just falling off the map. Uh, Lo, we gotta talk about Carmelo Anthony, man. Hey, I just, I'm trying, bro, but I'm looking at his his numbers right now, man. Last game shot 25 percent. Game before that 37. Game before that 42. Like if we just look at his efficiency on the floor. His scoring output, which, by the way, is really the only advantage he has right now. He's not a defensive player. He's a scorer. That's Carmelo Anthony. Now, whether you think he fits well with whatever style OKC is running with Westbrook at the helm is one thing. But the way he's playing right now, low, the only word I can use is embarrassing. Because he's he's Carmelo Anthony, right? He has that brand name. I got, like, two kicks. I got the M- M11s. And I got like two kicks. They're comfortable as fuck. So Carmelo, why is that are you guy? wearing Carmelo Anthony's shoes? Yeah, they're actually really good for ball, and they're mad cheap too. So it's a good. No, ball. they're really good for sitting on the bench where Carmelo Anthony should be. So is that is because remember at the start of the season he said he's not gonna come off the bench. He didn't even entertain the questions when reporters asked him, which is crazy, right? Like we like we try to like lower the bar for Carmelo, and he's still like, nah, 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 I got it. <laughs> and he still can't go like that. That is amazing to me. It would hurt his and brand, Car- I think, if he came off the bench. And he's and what he was shooting bad. You, you know what would help his brand? Winning. That's what would help it. I don't think so. What? You're crazy. Th- so like, because because Carmelo's he was that guy for a very long time, and I know ever since he went to the Knicks, everything kind of slowed down, and now with the Thunder. But just think about like the money he's making off the court. Like Manu Ginobili is not getting big brand deals, right? So I'm just saying, like, he knew for him, maybe it was an ego thing, maybe it was a he's trying to secure the bag thing. I understand why he doesn't want to come off the bench. I'm just saying if all he cared about was winning, then he would. And and who knows? I Honestly, we don't know because in the playoffs, things might turn around. You know Westbrook gets super serious, and then they have the defense. Uh, wow. This, I, low, I know we talked about the Cavs being a disappointment, but I think everybody expected better from OKC, especially... Like, 20, 30 games in, they started to turn things around. And we're like, yo, this team got it, man. They're winning games against tough opponents. And then it just so happens that the season's coming to an end and they haven't figured everything out. And they're losing a lot of these games. Lost to Portland, San Antonio, Denver, beat New Orleans. 
and then a close loss to the Warriors. And I think a lot of it is Carmelo Anthony, man. I'd say he's. I know I, you I was like about to, to say that too. Like it's getting to a point now where, at first I was like, maybe maybe you might have to like look at Russ a little different, but like Carmelo is playing so bad in the last like, especially the last like seven to ten games when they really needed these wins. And I don't know like how he's. I don't. Under, I don't understand the drop off. Like I don't understand like how you go from. A player who people kept saying, like, oh, man, you don't have to worry, man. We're not going to blame you for the Knicks losing because it's obvious the rest of the roster is really bad. Yeah. <laughs> to, a, to a player to where we're like, all right, now we're going to, like, remove you from being the number one option to the number three option. You're not expected to play defense, pass the ball. Matter of fact, Melo, you, 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 we, you, we could just say come off the bench. And then Melo's like, nah, 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 I can start. I got, I, I can do that. I, I, I can start. And it's like, I don't know, Melo, can you? Because this, they asked him this question twice in the middle of the season, asking him it again. He's like, nah, man, we ain't got to make no lineup changes, man. Come on, man. I, I can start, man. Trust. And here we are at the end of the season and Carmelo Anthony is looking like he's, Carmelo, like he's 39. Like he just looks, he just looks old and he looks yeah. tired. And he looks washed. He looks out of shape. And I don't and know how that's going to translate to the postseason because that's going to be scary. He was 0 for 9 in, his, in the game against the Warriors, right? That, that game was trash. And and that they lost by, trash. well, they lost by like 3 or 4. Like, it was a close game. Yeah, all they had to do was make like a couple, Melo. Like, he like you just had to like hit like the league average. You didn't even have to be better than league average, right? Which you'd assume Melo was. You just had to be league average and your team would have won the game. You can get into what ifs with every game, so I won't dive deep into that. But 0 for 9 from 3 is unacceptable, especially from a guy who's a touted scorer. Especially against a team like Golden State, who you know Westbrook has a beef against. You know he's passionate about beating this team. I actually watched the end of that game. That one was tough. Yeah. I mean, and and, and again, I want to be clear. You know, when that if the day comes, and I don't think it's going to come where they're, where they're going to be out of the playoffs... I am going to hold a lot of people to to very uh, high standards, as I think we should, and, you know, explain why I believe that team is underachieving. And they definitely are one of the biggest underachievers and one of the biggest disappointments this year because Billy Donovan is – Billy Donovan might be one of the worst coaches. in. He, he not might be. He is one of the <laughs> I don't worst know coaches. About, I don't know about worst. <laughs> like, he, he might be – Lower than average, if at a thirty. No, no, he, no, no, no. Let me, yeah, let me, let me be clear about this. Let me, let me be very clear. Billy Donovan is one of the worst coaches in the NBA. Let me be very, very clear about that. And so, I don't know about Billy Donovan. That. No, I, I know about it, Agent. He's one of the worst coaches in the NBA. Why? Why? It's poor offensive management. There's no system or scheme offensively. Everyone basically just isos. You just give the ball to Russ or PG or Melo, and everybody just isos, and everybody else just stands around and watch them iso, and that's all they do. Defensively, for whatever reason, he still ices and blitz off of the pick and roll as if it's 2009, <laughs> and then expects expects like Steven Adams and Melo to commit to a double team off the pick and roll, and then expects them to rush back and rotate. Like He just dogs Roberson and PG the entire time it's like pg and roberson y'all guard the best um perimeter players on opposing team and then when they call for a pick and roll blitz them and then pg and roberson y'all also need to rotate as well it's like jesus christ like they have to do all of that while russell westbrook is just sitting off to the side not playing no defense yeah. at all he has no yeah. responsibilities on the defensive end like stuff like that is just like 
I, I don't, I don't get that. And it's very, very obvious. And I don't care what anyone t- is trying to tell me. It's very obvious that they still are structuring that offense just so not maybe not just, but they're structuring that offense and it allows Russell Westbrook to get those triple doubles. And if we're at a point where Russell Westbrook cannot function any other way outside of him dominating the ball, almost every other possession, that is a problem, not only with Russell Westbrook, but the coaching staff, the fact that they don't even expect him to do anything else without the ball in his hand because when he doesn't have the ball in his hand he is sitting off to the side and just like looking at everybody else just iso that is that is a that's a coaching problem so yes billy donovan with that much talent he is one of the worst coaches in the nba but pg Uh, up and down offensively russell westbrook still inefficient to to majority elite level point guards turns the ball over at a ridiculous rate but again carmelo anthony man the only thing that he is expected to do is score, and he's not even doing that at this point. And, and that is suspect right there, man. No, I have an interesting question for you. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, LeBron had eight turnovers in the last game. I could be wrong. That's what the commentator said. If somebody gets ten turnovers with their triple-double, just technically speaking, is that a quadruple-double? I guess technically it is, but no one doesn't call it a quadruple-double. But like, if if you had to write down LeBron had this much quadruple doubles in his career, would LeBron... no, they wouldn't. No, they wouldn't count that as a quadruple double in that sense. No. So, Lo, I want I want to play a game with you, man. This is gonna be an interesting game. Uh, I'm gonna say the real names of NBA players, and you have to guess which NBA player it is. Do you want to do this? I guess. I mean, I don't. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out where this I, came I was, from. I was just I was scrolling to the internet and I found I found someone's name. I'm like, that is not anything like. What he calls himself in the NBA. So I'll, I'll, I'll start off with some potentially easy ones, man. We'll do like four or five. If you guys are listening, play along. Although you'll probably only get like a couple of these. So first player is Alfonso Clark Burke the third. What? <laughs> his his name is Alfonso Clark Burke the third. Look, man, I heard you the first time. I just don't. I don't know. I don't know who that is. Just, just try. Just take. You have three guesses. Alfonso Clark Burke the third. I'm assuming Trey Burke because you said Burke. Okay. All right, low. Okay. Uh, here's here's an easy one. I'll only do his first name because it's so easy. Wardell. Oh, that's Curry. Yeah, I know that's Curry. Yeah. Okay. All right, low. I see you. I'm gonna get a little bit harder with these. Okay. Pet. Pause. 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 That's not a pause. Until you said pause, it wasn't a pause, man. It's a pause, bro. That's a pause. I'm only going to say this guy's first name. And I'm going to try my hardest to pronounce it. Chukwimeka Nubuisi. What? Chukwimeka Nubuisi. That's not Nene's name, is it? No, but you're actually like, you're, you're on a ballpark. I'll, I'll name you two teams he played for. Charlotte and New Orleans. Oh yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that is. I don't know. Uh, what that is. Okay, I got super hard. But well, I, I need to stop using the word hard. That was Omeka Okafor himself. Omeka Okafor. What a face, ass! Oh my god! <laughs> what a face! Okay, okay, that's actually his real name. Um, I'm trying to think of a player though. I know Ray Allen's real name isn't Ray. It's, it's something else. Yeah, it actually, you're right about that. I remember seeing it like a couple years ago. 
is Walter. Yeah, His first Walter. name is Walter. Yeah, so Walter. if you're in the NBA, do you just like show up and you're like, all right, this is my new name? How does this work? Or does he decide that at college? Because like, I can't imagine they call him Walter in college and then switch to Ray, right? I don't know, but what is um, what's Jr. Jr. Smith's real name? I can't remember that's what a, it was. That's a really solid question, actually. Let me find out. I, once you say it, I'll know who what it is because um, <laughs> Earl Smith. III. Yeah, Earl. Yeah, because um, I remember T Mac. T Mac was um, um teasing him about it. Um, Tracy Mac. What's his? His name is Tracy Lamar McGrady Jr. I just find it interesting because until like three years ago, I didn't know that NBA players just made up names that they wanted to be called and then just kind of rolled with that for their brand. I didn't know people did that. I believe Nene's name is like Nene Hilario, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that is right. Yeah, Nene is actually his first name. Yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, and there was a point where he literally decided like, nah, I don't want y'all to ever call me Hilario. And like, so like, if you didn't know Nene like five years ago, you just know he has no last name. His name is just Nene. Like, like, what a face! For hey, all you know it's so crazy in the games though. It 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 looks like his name is nothing but Nene. <laughs> it does, yo. He looks like a, a Nene kind of person too. That'd be crazy if you only had one name. Like if you didn't even have like a last name or just one name. I mean, I'm sure some people have one name. Mm, do they? I did and, I, and did and did Nene actually? I'm, now I'm thinking about this. Like like you said, are NBA players like just at some point of their career just like you know what? I'm not going to be called my first name. Like is that <laughs> is, is that like a thing? Like you just like have a moment in your life where you're like, they're not going to be calling me Walter Allen coming down the court. Like they're they're not going to do that. So I'm just going to change it to Ray. Like that's that's what they're going to call me. I, I guess so, man. I mean, I guess some people like Luke Richard and Bob Mute, they just commit. Like, they're like, you're going to call me Luke Richard and Bob Mute. I don't care how many syllables my name is. You know, it's a handful for any commentator. Luke but he doesn't and even, Mute. He doesn't even shorten it, though. Like, he's just like, yeah, just call me that. But All these syllables. Walter, I <laughs> Walter here, he he can't be called Walter. He's like, yeah, you calling me Ray. Is LeBron's real name LeBron? Yes, LeBron. Okay, I can't, so I I can't think. To... I can't think of no one else. His middle name is like Raymon. This is some interesting facts nobody knew about, guys. No, I, I knew. I knew that already. I Come on, you didn't know his middle name was Raymon. You just I did yourself. actually. You didn't. You didn't know that though. But all right, I don't. I don't if think you... it's pronounced Raymon. I don't know why you're pronouncing it like you're, like you're a '90s um wrestling, like you're a '90s wrestler or something <laughs> like that. It's. It's. I'm just saying it how it's pronounced, man. It's Raymon. I think it's Raymon. I just think it's LeBron Raymond James. I guess that makes sense. Uh, and uh, why are you why are you pronouncing? <laughs> All right, we'll move on. I just you pronouncing he's like Razor Ramon. Like what are you doing? Right now? <laughs> I saw I saw uh, Steph Curry's name Wardell. There's actually a song somebody made about that. Uh, Forgot his name, Rex Life Raj or something like that. He made a song called Young Wardell. Uh, you want me to sing it to you? Yeah, you definitely need to stop um going through on uh, the, the the bad parts of YouTube. Cause you're no, he's right actually he's, he's a decent rapper. He's a decent rapper. Cut it out, agent. No, like he's actually not. He's like mildly popular too. It's not even like he's unknown. He's mildly. Because <laughs> he's not really. I'll I'll tell you his Spotify views. I'll boot it up right now. Look, man, I'm not I'm not here trying yeah. to talk about that, yo. Um, look, bro. 
Well, I'm trying to figure out what else. What else are we supposed to talk about? I mean, you don't, you don't have to talk about nothing, bro. What's on your mind, though? Low key, I, I already got done shitting on OKC. Wiggins. You've done that, so that's good and for the Wiggins, podcast. So that's right? check, check, right? Check, okay. check. Um, I'm trying to figure out who else. Shout out to the Fruito. Shout out to the Jazz. The fact that they're you're the fourth seed in the um in the West. That's that's kind of. That's pretty impressive. I'm not even gonna lie. That's you. a come up. That team, I, yo, low, no jokes. Fifty-seven win team. If they had Gobert from the start, you know, Scott, I would actually agree with you. Yeah, I, I think Gobert would have would have propelled him another eight to ten games. I 100 percent agree with you. Yeah, it was literally like a switch when he came back. The team just went on a rampage. And and they're historically like one of the best defensive teams in the last like. You know, like fifteen to twenty years. Like I don't know how they're able to do, just do what they do. It's Especially crazy. after losing a scorer in Gordon Hayward. Um, I don't know. It's cool to see that team come together like that, man. Yo, know, I want I want to talk to you about. We mentioned him a couple of podcasts ago. Trey Burke himself, uh, Mister Allen Iverson, Mister The Solution. He's back, uh, back at it again on the Ninth Seed Podcast. Yo, he's he's not he's not only been playing well now. For like a, a couple weeks, like he's consistently playing well. Low, well, I'm I'm about to. I gotta watch a couple more Knicks games because trust me, it's very hard to convince yourself that watching Knicks games is a good use of your time, right? Like you could be watching any other game going on, but you decided to watch the team that never has a chance ever with horrible ownership and just as poor management. But they might have stumbled across a gem, Low. I'm I'm willing to bet you, Low, that this guy Trey Burke. It's going to be an 86 overall in a couple years. The only only reason why I disagree is because they have Tim Hardaway there. And not to say that like Tim Hardaway is like this But they've great, had him before and they gave him away. They no. had him before, they had him before before he was developed and they didn't know what what they were doing with them. But I feel like they kind of both Tim and Tim and um Trey Burke kind of fulfill the same role like an undersized scoring two guard. And and one is way more expensive than the other, which I guess makes you question why they even wanted him back to begin with. I'm about with. to say, I'm about to say that I mean that would I mean it kind of proves why I don't think that um Trey Burke is I don't think Trey Burke may not even get the same responsibilities or opportunities next year because they're spending just so much money on on Tim Hardaway. Yeah, so New I, York I, is a, I disagree. I don't think they're going to which I don't think they're going to which color. I don't think they're going to he's, he's going at least 86 overall though. No, that's that's too high. He just he just had a few good games and that's it. Oh, come on, you're, you're you're underselling him here. Oh, you know what we do have to talk about real quick. It's a low key celebration. Shout out to the Detroit Pistons for missing the playoffs because they have officially <laughs> I knew you been. Could bring that up, man. They have officially been eliminated <laughs> from the playoffs. I don't know why you all thought in the beginning of the season that they were going to make the playoffs. Who me? No, I'm just saying, like, certain people, especially in my comment section, who kept telling me, oh, oh yeah. low, low, they're going to make the playoffs. No, no, they're, they're not. You know what's funny? Like, they got Blake Griffin, and they immediately started to lose games. And it was only until, like, their playoff chances were almost out of reach. They were like, yo, let's let's do it, fellas. Like, I don't know what got into Stan Van Gundy must have ripped someone's head off, right? Because the last 10 games, they're 8-2. and two. And Washington has lost their last four. So all we needed was this earlier. And I get that you made a trade for. A, I'm gonna I'm gonna tread carefully and say star player for Blake Griffin. Please tread tread very very carefully. And also <laughs> but, speaking of this speaking of this star <laughs> player, 
You know he's hurt, right? Blake Griffin's hurt right now? He was yeah, hurt he's last hurt. time. He's hurt last right now. Time we, he's, I, last time we talked about him on the podcast, he was also injured. So mm-hmm. that was part of the that was part of the bundle, you know what I'm saying? That was, that's part of the whole deal of getting Blake Griffin. The bundle deal was power forward, solid passer for his position, can't space the floor, high contract, and injury prone. Like that was part of the bundle deal that you got for Blake Griffin. And I think everybody agreed when it happened that it wasn't going to be worth it. Yo, Lo, interestingly enough, uh, Tobias Harris is almost, they're literally about the same points per game since the trade. So you, you, you get a player like Blake Griffin, not because he's a defensive guy, but because offensively he's, I don't want to use the word versatile, but he finds ways to score. He's a scorer. And so you trade away at Tobias and you find out Tobias has the same scoring output that Blake has on the other team now, except low, he does it a lot more efficiently while Blake shoots 43%, Tobias is shooting 48%. And so hilariously enough, if we just look at those two players, even though there was others involved in the deal, like Avery Bradley and the picks involved, the Pistons lost. So I, I, mean, I mean, I know when the trade originally happened, we were both skeptical that it would even make the team better. But I remember saying... Like that, not only was this could have been like a potential mistake, but I think the focus of this wasn't winning games; it was more to make sales. And I think Blake Griffin's an exciting player to watch. And that might have just been their focus. But they're still not selling anything out, though. They're they're still not like selling out arenas. I mean, I I have to check their attendance before and after. But I'm game. I mean, them games. Them games I watch ain't too many people in them seats. Yo, Detroit's a weird. I mean, last time I was in, I was in Detroit, right? Like a month ago. The whole place is like like downtown. I'm not talking about like in a suburb. Downtown is straight up abandoned buildings, and like it's it's a real like you know you're in Detroit when you get to Detroit. And then in the middle of all of that is Little Caesars Arena, just shining with a bright white light. It's it, it doesn't even feel like it belongs in the neighborhood because it's like it's so left field. It's hilarious. Uh, but that's how. Let that's, I me mean, let me be honest with you. That's how the um the Falcon Stadium is, or even the new one, the Mercedes Benz Stadium in Atlanta. That's exactly how it is. Is it downtown, like the stadium? It's it's downtown, and like it's literally just in the hood in the ghetto. And they That's they hilarious. start they started to tear down some of the apartments that were across, like literally across the street. When I say across the street, I I literally mean across the street. Like it's just abandoning apartment buildings. They finally start tearing them down, but like. For real, they, they they built that in front of just abandoning apartment buildings and some gas stations, <laughs> like a whole bunch of miscellaneous things, bro. That's hilarious, man. I guess like maybe the land was cheaper in that area, but oh, I just found it hilarious. Um, I also feel like low, like maybe part of me is just selfish, and I talked about this before. Blake Griffin, I don't know if he writes his own material, but he delivers it pretty well. He's a pretty good stand-up comic. I don't know if you've seen him. He uploaded he is, a couple. I'm not, of- I'm not, no, he is. He, he is a good stand-up comic because so far his career has been a joke. So you're right. Come on, man. No, let me chill. Let me chill. Let me chill. Let me chill. Take shots for no reason, bro. That was but, over. That was that was way too much. That was too much. When, when he does retire, whenever that is, I really want to see him like go all in on stand-up comedy. And I know, I know, Shaq dives into stand-up comedy. He does his own. He hosts his own events, which is dope, and he helps put some people on. Uh, it'd be cool to see Blake Griffin as one of those guys. Uh, whenever it could be in like ten years, it could be in like five years. It depends. I don't know how things are gonna go. But. You know, you know what? I hope he just dives into 
becoming a better basketball player. <laughs> I hope he does, yo. Well, you a troll, bro. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying, I hope he delves into really becoming a better basketball player because as talented as he is, I don't know why why we uh why we have to see him just look at him underachieve. I don't get that part. What's up? It's Justin from the Driving Dish NBA podcast. When I was in eighth grade, I switched from wearing glasses to contacts because I liked playing the game of basketball. And ever since then, I've had to deal with getting contacts, which takes way too long. You have to sit in the waiting room for a really long time. It always kind of smells weird in there. That all changed when I found simplecontacts.com. You show them a picture of your prescription. You pick the brand of contacts that you use. You put in your address and they're on their way. And so much cheaper than going to a doctor every single time you you need contacts. Took me about 15 minutes right before I left for work, and we're going to save you $30 off your first order with them at simplecontacts.com slash almighty, or use the enter code almighty at checkout. That's $30 off your contacts at simplecontacts.com slash almighty, or enter the code almighty at checkout. Just remember, this isn't a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. They only do a test that makes sure your contacts are going to give you 20-20 vision. They don't write completely new RXs or examine eye health. Uh, Alright, anyway. Low, uh, <laughs> some interesting <laughs> stuff happened. It's always players that bet on themselves, whether it pans out or whether they made a catastrophic mistake that cost them tens oh, of Are you talking about Nerlens Noel? No, I'm not. I was talking to talk about Ennis Cancer, but what did Noel do? Oh, no, they, like people starting to go back and figure out how much money Nerlens Noel is probably going to lose because you know oh, he better for not on taking that deal. Yeah. How much would that be? Because I, I don't think he was going to get a max offer with the 76ers, which is why he wanted out. But I think he was like, I, I have to go back and check the reports. He, he but got, but he got he got a contract from Dallas, but he felt like it wasn't enough, and he thought that he'd be better suited if he just tried another full season with Dallas and just got. So a what did he do? Did he offer. just take a qualifying offer? Yeah, he took he took a qualifying offer. Yep. Wow. And, and uh, he, I think they he quickly like, realized they dodged a bullet. <laughs> exactly. I think I think he left like eighty to ninety million dollars on the table. Imagine living with that low. Imagine making a decision, and then like you you cost yourself that much money. Insane. Hey man, shout out to um Nerlens Noel. I guess you could if you really believe in yourself. Well, I'm gonna be serious. If you if you really believe in yourself and you also want to be secure, you'll do what Stephen Curry did. Stephen Curry, I'm sure he believed he had really high upside, but he signed a deal for like seven, eight million a year, and so he's getting that bag in case something happens. Because remember, at the time he was very injury prone, and so the fact that he even got that deal, a lot of people were like, yo, I don't know if it's gonna work out. I don't know if it's gonna hurt the cap. Whatever the case is. And then he proved himself one of the actually the best shooter of all time, and uh, I don't know it just paid off. So anyway, uh, Ennis Cantor said he's switching his agent, and he's considering low. This can sound crazy, I know, but he said this: he's considering declining an eighteen point six million dollar option with the Knicks. Who is giving him more than that? How long is the deal? Is it like one or two years, or what? How long is this deal? I'm assuming you, you might you might year. decline it just because of the lack of financial security over like a, an extended period of time, like even though it but may be eighteen million in two years, I would much rather take like a, a twenty two nah, nah, million nah. dollar contract in three years. Because low, if if you're declining, you're assuming that next year you potentially might get injured or you might play horribly and no one's going to want to sign you. Eighteen point six million. Well, how much would you pay for Ennis Cancer? Like I might pay like. 10, 11 million, right? 
Yeah, I would. But like I say, is it, is it 18? It's not 18.6 million each year, is it? Or is it 18? No, it's just the option, so it's just one year. Oh, he's going to, yeah, okay, I see you. He's going to decline his, his last year in his option. Yes. But I, Which I mean, is, why would you, I, I would still do that as well. Because if, if you'd be much rather, you'd be much better off trying to get a contract now than going another season where you're buried under the bench and your value may not be the same as it is right now. Because I feel like at right now, the only higher his value has been was probably last year, the year before that in OKC, where he yeah. was really contending for six men of the year. So right now, he might feel like this is probably the highest my value is going to be after a year with the Knicks. And if I spend another year with the Knicks, there's a possibility that it could be even worse. So, I mean, I don't know. I've, I understand why he's doing it. Though. So here's, here's what he said uh, in quotes. He said, you're always thinking about the business part. But for me, basketball comes first. We've got four games left and the Knicks are still paying me. The Knicks are paying for me to go out there and, if I'm healthy, to go out there and play. So if I feel really good, I'll go out there and play. So he's almost trying to be selfless. And honestly, I don't think he's actually considering it. To me, it just kind of seems like a ploy to get the fans behind you. Like, you really think about, I'm basketball first. Like, I'll get the bag afterwards, but this is my life. This is what I do. This is my passion. He followed up saying... It'd be really selfish to think about opting in or opting out or thinking about my contract and not playing, giving up on my teammates and my team. It'd be really selfish. For me, the Knicks are still paying me. I'm still part of this team. If I'm healthy, I'm just going to go out there and fight. So he's almost saying like, yo, I don't really... Basically what Steve Nash did, like he's not comfortable getting paid even though he's not playing because he feels like he's taking away from the team. Speaking of Steve Nash... Come on, nah. Right now, though? No, I actually had two questions for you. One, because I don't give a fuck about no Enos Kanter. Um, it's not. It's not. Remotely, he's thinking about kicking his agent out because the agent's telling him secure the bag, so his agent gets paid and he gets paid, and he's saying, "Nah, basketball comes first. I mean, I appreciate the passion, but come on, man. Nah, yeah, he's um, <laughs> he he. I mean, I understand. I, but I understand where he's coming from, though. I, I understand the move he's he's making. The only problem that he has is that it may not work out for him because if he denies the qualifying offer and then tries to test his luck in free agency. It may not be that many people who even are willing to pay him any significant amount of money, let alone secure him with a, a three or four year deal. Like that, that is really the, the bigger problem, and I feel like that's what he's trying to go after. But yeah, potentially. I don't because I don't really care about Enos Kane. He's a, he's a trash player. He's not trash, but he's he's a bench player. I don't really care. Ben, I think he's a starter. But all right, go ahead. Uh, is he? He's not a starter. Not in today's NBA. No, no, not. I in think he's like a, I think he's an eighty overall. Maybe a seventy nine. Mm, that's a stretch. That's a stretch. All right, go ahead. What, what do you want to say about no, what, Steve Nash? What I was going to ask you is because because apparently you're supposed to be doing your homework. So what? What? Um, I forgot you were watching some documentaries. Yeah, are you going to quiz me on the podcast? No, I'm just asking you what documentaries that you've been watching. Oh, uh, so first I figured like because yeah, podcast people listen, bro. I have no interest in NBA history. It happened, and we've moved on. Only, the only thing I really care about is what's happened since 96, Kobe and Iverson's draft. Past Before that, like my interest fades in dramatically. But y'all put me on the spot. Y'all saying, agent, you need to come up with your top 10 of all time list. I can't come up with a top 10 of all time list if I don't understand all time as oh, so well people, as I understand. People pressuring you now, right? I mean, you are on the podcast. Oh, no, no, uh, no. Are people pressuring you to make a top 10 all time list, agent? Yeah, there's a couple guys that hit me up on Twitter. Exactly. They, they pressuring you, bro. They putting that pressure on you. Yo, okay, all my so, podcast people keep pressuring them. Put that pressure on them. So the first thing I decided to do was like, let's freshen up on MJ. I watched an MJ documentary 
Uh, it was. Said, it didn't really go into the up on MJ. Oh my god. Because like I, I have an idea of how MJ's career went, but I wanted some details. I didn't know. Like they were talking a lot about like players believed that MJ was taking away from their game, and like there was times a lot like what Kobe did, where MJ would like curse out a player, and then like the guy wanted to get the fuck off the team. He said, "I'm tired of playing with this guy." And uh, so it was just interesting to get like the background about like what MJ as a personality was the like. The fact that this is like news to you is amazing. I don't to know. Me. It was, I mean, because you don't. It's not like that really comes up in debates when you're talking about like, yo, who's the goat? You're not like, but MJ made his players. But when he came back to the Wizards, I didn't know he owned a part of the Wizards and then sold it to come back and play. Like, so oh I was my learning, god, like, the fact that these this is news to you. Okay, low. Stop being condescending. So I'm not, uh, people this, told this me is, I feel like this is maybe this and this is the problem with like having a basketball channel because a lot of things to me that aren't news or a lot of things to me that's not interesting because I've known them for so long to a lot of people it is news like to a lot of people they just like oh wow I didn't know that like someone was telling me like do a video about um the reason why I did that Sean Marion video is because it was a handful of people who just didn't know how good Sean Marion was but in my mind I'm like it's kind of obvious who Sean Marion was throughout his career, but like people just didn't know who he was. And it's some like, people only okay. caught like the tail. Like if if they're younger fans, like they didn't catch. They might have caught like the tail end of him in Phoenix, but really they only saw like his stint with the Raptors and everything. Like like the he was the Cavs for a bit too. Like it was it was pretty bad past yeah. that. I think yeah. we could agree. Anyway, uh, people told me to. Uh, I wanted to watch it on Carl Malone, but I paused on that because people told me to watch. Uh, the one on Shaq and Penny, which I'm gonna do uh, tonight. Uh, so it should be. Int- I want to like. I want to get the '90s down first. Then I'm gonna go back into the '80s. And low. I don't know, man. You, like you're pushing it if you expect me to learn '70s and '60s. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, like that's, I was- that's, that's that's fine. I mean, I don't. I mean, it's not too many people <laughs> who know that much about the '70s and '60s. Yeah, I might. I might like watch a couple about like the biggest superstar in that era. But past that, like, I don't. I, you know, there's just no point. Uh, but yeah, I put out a tweet and like I was like, "Yo, uh, what's some good documentaries?" A lot of the people like named the documentaries I already watched. Like I watched one on Dirk already. Of course, the Iverson one that's on Netflix. Um, some of those documentaries you gotta be careful though because some of those, some of them they just kind of like low key hyping up some of these players. They do. They did that one with the Dirk one for sure. I remember. Uh, they did. But they also s- did it with the Iverson one, and I'm like, man, all right. So what part was hyped up about that? I felt like that was a... Oh, I don't know which one you watched. I don't know which one you watched. The one on Netflix that talked about how like his life was almost ruined uh, because he was at this bowling alley when the incident went down. And then like he kind of documented his career from high school, that incident, and then moving on to... He was in Georgetown, right? They gave him a chance in Georgetown yeah, yeah, yeah. before... Was that so, the like, same I, one where they kept... like It's one of them where they just keep interviewing like a handful of people and almost every single last one of them swears up and down... They knew that Iverson was going to be this great player. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> calm down. Like, he was playing football and everything in high school. So, it was like, no one didn't this. And he was like 5'9", five, 5'10", five, right? Yeah. So, how could yeah. you know he was going to be a great basketball player while he was playing football at a, a significantly shorter height than everyone else playing basketball? Like, how could you just know that? I feel like it's just, it might be the, it's like, you know, like when a lot of people are like, Yo, I knew him when he was this. So I was like, yo, I knew Iverson. And I mean, there's no, you can't go back and prove what they're saying is wrong. So they could just pretend, sit there and make up facts if they wanted to. But besides the point, it was like, that was probably the most emotional one. But I already watched that one. That wasn't one I watched recently. I don't remember, though, like a lot of the interviews. 
Um, but yeah, I'm, 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 I'm I want to go like like deep into especially '90s, not as much '80s. Uh, I guess I'm really interested in '90s because that's the time Magic was on fire, Jordan was on fire. You said a lot Magic of guys... was on fire during the '90s, Agent. Yeah, early '90s. Uh, but I think what? that was around he the time played like two years during the '90s. I think that was around the time where there was so much competition that a lot of guys that I feel like otherwise would have had rings didn't have rings. And you know uh we'll see. We'll see how it goes though. I don't know. Some many people make arguments that it wasn't that competitive during the nineties. I mean, I can't jump into all that, but that's I mean, what are you comparing that to? What we have now? Oh yeah, I think I think this year is there's way more just talented players than there than there might have ever been in NBA history. Um but I might agree with that, yeah. Yeah, because it's well it's until, pretty it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Um but they, but they'll say like in the nineties, because Michael didn't really face any super teams, and how there was there was expansion teams. There was like five or six expansion teams during the nineties, so that they watered down the NBA, and how Michael didn't really face any competent um, two way shooting guards, like two way like um like shooting guards who were playing elite at the offensive and defensive end. So people make those arguments. Mm-hmm. And that's always going to be the case with expansion teams uh, until, like, they get a chance to bootstrap and pick themselves up from the dirt because that's really what they're in when they initially get there. Although some teams, like, get really lucky. I think the Raptors had a lot of luck when they first were introduced, I think, in the 95 season. Um, mm, no, they didn't, they didn't have any luck until, what, 2000, 2001? I, but think, think about this, Lo. Like, when you have an expansion team, you're basically just hoping and begging that your scouting pays off. And I believe they signed Antoine Jameson. He was a sign and trade, uh, if I'm not mistaken, at they sent him to Golden State. I could be wrong. This is all like No, they, did, they just they just they drafted him the same draft class with Vince Carter and he was yeah, a selection he was a selection before V C was and they just trade him at the um at the uh, draft day. Yeah. So I feel like some moves like that would I don't even know if they knew what they were doing. And keep in mind, like around that time, MLSC was really just focused on making profits. That's why they got in, right? And so it wasn't until like 2007, 2008, where Bargnani was like, everyone's like, yo, this, he's really ass, is when they started to really change their tone. 2012, I feel like they finally converted. There's some teams like that where like you get lucky with a couple moves and you get a star player who can just like propel your team upwards. It took y'all. It? it took y'all like nearly fifteen years to be a competent team. But uh, that's. I don't think that's fair though, because I think we were a competent team when we had Vince Carter and T Mac. We just weren't a championship team. So I mean, it depends. Y'all what your only made the playoffs twice. Yeah, I know. Uh, and then Vince Carter left. Then we restarted with Bosch. Then Bosch left. The whole and then process. y'all made the playoffs twice with Bosch, and that's it. Like throughout yeah. the entire like nineties. I mean, that's just. You know that's just me spitting facts again. That's too. That's too. There may be too many facts for you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this guy, bro. It, it might this be. Guy. It might be too so, low, many facts. I'm assuming there's a Jerry West. I, I definitely want to watch Jerry because that guy lost too many championships for me not to to watch like a documentary on him. Like I'm so curious how somebody handles losing that many times. Or I'm assuming what the like there must have been a response. I don't know if it was as big as like the type that LeBron has to deal with. Right, where he loses in the finals, and they're like two and six or whatever. Right? Um, I don't know. I think it was much more understandable back then, if I'm not mistaken, because 
It's not like Jerry West never had a finals where he just didn't show up. Because he was he was playing so great that, that he was the one player that received finals MVP while even being on a losing team. Hmm. So yeah, if, uh, if I'm not mistaken, from, from what I understand, he was just, he always showed up. Like there was never really a moment where he didn't, he underperformed and he was the biggest reason why they lost. It was just that when you're matching up with the Boston Celtics, who had all of those great players and a great system and a great coach and and then Bill Russell anchoring the defense, it just made it that much more difficult for them to have any type of success. So I, I think for for him, it's a lot more reasonable. But for um, LeBron, not not so much, no. So Lauren, I want to get your opinion on something because I, I went back and I was watching some, some ABA or I think it was ABA at the time in the 50s and 60s. Low. It probably wasn't He's, ABA, but you got it. Okay. Whatever it is. It was basketball. These players were ass low. These were professional players, and they were ass. Like, when I think about players like George Mikan, who everybody hypes up. Who was he, the first guy to dunk or something like that? Like, Was he and, the... Oh, my God. Cut it out, AJ. Okay, whatever. Because I haven't went back. If you get a chance, people listening, YouTube, like, and, like the 1950s, 1960s basketball... And then if you compare that to today, anyone anyone is going to do that. No, they will because now they're going to be curious. Like, yo, I wonder what they're playing like. And when I tell you, like, I wouldn't be surprised if the if like a bench player, like if 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 Marcus Teague was saucing back then, like Marcus Teague can go back then and he could destroy everybody. Like that's how I feel. But I don't know because I haven't dived in deep to research the context. I'm low. Were they just like? Explain to me what what happened in the fifties and sixties, man. Was it just the players now are evolved and better with new scientific technology to improve and develop training, or or like is there something I'm missing, man? Because they looked horrible out there. No, I mean they were just trash. I mean, there's no way, there's no way to put it. They were trash. Like because there was no three point line, it was almost like 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 it, it felt like if you just went to the Y, you can go to the Y and find like you know the, you know like they have the old man leagues. Like in, in the old heads of who it feel like it felt like they were doing that, and it, I don't know, man. It's just like because when a lot of people talk about NBA history, they talk about like yo, everyone was so fantastic. See now, everybody just sucks. So it was just neat to go back there and. But that literally- that's a part. That's a part of. I'm not gonna lie. That's a part of the NBA community, especially older fans, who tend to embellish what was happening past like the the 80s, because past the 80s is, is very suspect. But I'll say this about to defend players in the 50s, 60s, and even part of them in the 70s. A great example of, is, of this is, remember your first time like playing NBA Live or 2K, right? And yeah. even though you thought you might have been killing it, you were trash. You just trash. But like who you were playing, like your your siblings or your cousins... Since all of you all were around the same age and your concept of how basketball was played and your understanding of just video games in general was so little that you were trash. But as time continued to progress, you start to gradually understand basketball. You start to gradually understand the mechanics of the game to where you're at a point now where you're just you're great at this. You're just great at playing 2K right now. You can put yourself now back in, you know, the early 2000s and try to play NBA Live or 2K or whatever, and you would be much better now. But the only reason why you're much better now isn't necessarily because how different the game is, but simply because your understanding of how to play 
the video game has changed over time. And I think that's that's the part that I think many people fail to realize about players in the 50s, 60s, and 70s is that even though, yes, they were trash, they're, they're bad because they don't necessarily understand, they don't understand the functions and the mechanics of how to play basketball. And so the, the argument that many people try to make is that if you put a player like DeAndre Jordan in the 50s or 60s, he'll just be Bill Russell. And I understand that argument, but I, I disagree with that because DeAndre Jordan isn't creative enough to build a platform and to have building blocks and have the and build the blueprint of how to be a dominant center. Because in today's NBA, he hasn't evolved at all. And he's given all the opportunity to techniques and he's been given all the videotape to understand how to post up and shoot threes and become a better free throw shooter. And he still hasn't been able to evolve outside of the. So you don't think it's the case that like to him. players of this era work harder? You think it's more just generational advantages that like we have now? Yeah, it's just, it's just generational advantages, just understanding of how basketball functions. That's all it is. Because because basketball was like a brand new sport to them. So how would they know how to play? At the same level that we're playing at now, if if they didn't thoroughly understand it. Here's a better example, right? The three-point line was introduced into the NBA, I believe, in 1978, right? It took us until really like 2016 to thoroughly understand how to use the three-point line to our advantage. That's how long it took us. Uh, maybe like 2014, but all right. Okay, you but you you get what I'm saying. It took it took a it took a very long time for people to understand how to utilize a three point line the way we're utilizing it over the last four to six years. But it took us a very long time to get to this point. And so I think actually I think the first example might have been like around 2006 when uh, the Magic were playing with Dwight Howard and that's they were, 2008, they have, 2008 2008 2008. All right, whatever. And exactly, just, that's exactly that's how I felt. Exactly, there was. But the two to four year difference is a little different. Basically, I'm trying to say like they had Dwight Howard in the low post and they were using shooters like Reddick to just stretch the floor and give him space. And then I mean, but you, they made, you can make an argument that the the 2005 Suns were like that. Nah, because they didn't have the same shooting ability. If I'm not mistaken, wasn't Hedu Turkoglu on on the Magic at the time? Yeah, he was. Yeah. So like they had like at the time, JJ Reddick and Hedu Turkoglu were like top tier like those just shooters. And they're both on one team with a big man. And I think it was Jameer Nelson there. Like, whoever, whoever, whoever was there, like, they were laced with shooters. I think more so than the Suns. I think Joe Johnson was a good shooter. Roger Bell off the bench was a good shooter. Sean Marion wasn't, like, a great three-point shooter. He was average but at Steve, best. But Steve Nash was a, was a but, phenomenal yeah, three-point so shooter. Steve Nash as well. Anyway, I just think, yeah, you're right. If you want to date back further, I just think the Magic were a better three-point shooting threat as a team. But, yeah, I but guess even But the, even like Dan Tony said, like, Dan Tony functioned in that offense and failed and like kind of tried to almost talk himself out of the idea that that style of basketball actually worked. And it took him, I mean, we're in 2018 now. It took him nearly a decade to get back to where he's at right now to where he's kind of like, no, I was right. Like I was right about how basketball is going to be played and how it should be played. And, and but so that type of process. Is, I don't think is it was time. a philosophical change that like, it was he really just switched to like he only now cares about analytics. He's an analytic coach, and that's different than I think what he was doing with the Suns. Is he was just trying something. He didn't have any proof it was going to work. He just thought about it. He probably wrote down some plays and tried out some sets with his team and thought like this could possibly work. 
And so he had the athletes and the speed and the young guys at the time. But, an, but, analytics, make, but analytics exist back then. If I'm not mistaken, he, he was part of the analytic department. No, then, no, so. no, 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 no. Because it wasn't even remotely closed. Now they have firms, literally entire firms that just calculate and aggregate data using algorithms to help project uh, whether this player in the draft is going to be this. It's, like it's, if you place it, him in this. It's advanced, but no, analytics was existing back then. Because like the whole PER movement originated in like in the late nineties. But that's just that's just that's just once. I think that's maybe like the first step people took to like advance stats, right? And I think I remember at the time a lot of people were like, Man, fuck the PER. We don't care about that stat. It doesn't mean anything. But I know, but like, what I'm saying is there there were there were a group of people who were like really behind a, analytics. Yeah. But they yeah. just they just didn't have the same they didn't have a, a but loud that wasn't D'Antoni is what I'm saying like he's he even like dated I back don't know. I, time. F- I feel like it, I feel like it was though because D'Antoni and and I even give credit to um Danny Ainge and Steve Kerr because Steve Kerr was actually the um the GM for the Suns at that time and they were all what? part of that in a yeah Steve Nash I mean that's Steve Nash Steve Kerr excuse me I don't know was if I said the GM that. of this no nah, it was Brian Colangelo. And that no, time. after after Colangelo left, Steve Kerr Steve was Steve Kerr calling. picked up. I didn't know that. Yeah, That's Steve me. Kerr picked up. They were, and Steve Kerr was was always huge on analytics. And Larry Bird and Kevin McHale recently had had their like a almost like a back and forth for an interview, if you will. But I'm just and, I'm just telling you what uh, uh, Dan Tony said in an interview. He just said he was oh, okay, stupid okay. in the past. For maybe maybe he doubled down or tripled down on his belief. But he just said in the past he he did like if he just knew what he knew now. He could have. I'm sure he could have thought he could have coached that team to a championship. But but well, but real quick, what I was going to say was that Kevin McHale, because I thought it was very interesting. Kevin McHale and and um, damn, I just drew a blank. Larry Bird was having an interview, and they were talking about you know how the NBA has changed. And Kevin McHale and Larry Bird was like, yeah, like back in the day, like Danny Ainge knew like this was going to happen. Like he was he would go on and on about how shooting threes is what was going to take over and how if you shot threes, you would be better off for shooting more threes and posting up and how players who, who just shoot threes will eventually be more valuable because it's, it's just a more valuable shot. And like, he was like, they were going on and on about how he was explaining to them how he was valuable to that team, even though he just shot threes. And then like, they were all like, Oh, okay. All right, Danny. All right. Just go over there. Spot up real quick. <laughs> but like now, like here we are several years later, he's one of the better decision makers in all of NBA right now. And he was someone who was able to look forward in the NBA with the way that the, the way that the trajectory was heading into, especially with the spacing and the, and the importance of the three ball. So in, and again, that, that was him just with an idea that has manifested itself to where the league has been headed into for the last three to four years now. But what I I'm saying, it- I'm, I'm saying all that to say that it's, it's been an underlining theme in the NBA for quite a while now. It just has really picked up over the last five years. I think if you're a coach, you almost need to have, like, the ability to project what's next. Because by the time, like, by the time Golden State Warriors prove to everybody that you don't live and die by the three, that you can use the three ball, be efficient with it, develop shooters around you, and then win championships, that everybody else is too late to the party, right? So by the time they build something like that, the next Mike D'Antoni's or Steve Kerr's are going to figure out what the next thing is, and they're going to use that to help win. And so, whatever the case is, uh, 
I just I don't know how we got to this uh, debate. I'll I'll, I'll 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 wrap it up. I'll wrap it up like this. This is how this is how we got here. So I'm, I say all all of this to go back to where we were originally at with the whole '60s. Is that there will be a point in NBA history, re- and I think it's going to come up within the next twenty or thirty years, where people Jesus. are going to go back. <laughs> Jesus, what he was? What do what you mean? He said that shit like it was just a light twenty or thirty years, man. Just in the foreseeable future, in the next couple of twenty or thirty. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know how long it's going to take because the, the you're going to be like a hundred by then. I'll be like, wow, oh, this man, guy. Damn. The, the internet. The internet really dictates how things work. But in the next twenty or thirty years, I think what people are going to go back and they're going to look at like the the two thousands, right? And they're going to be like, man, Kobe really really wasn't that good because he wouldn't shoot that many threes. Or they'll go as far as saying like. Man, Clay Thompson really wasn't that good of a player because, like, if he's a three-point shooter, he's he's not shooting nowhere near as many threes as you know X Y Z player in today's NBA. And everyone's scope and their belief and their understanding of how the NBA functions and works continues to evolve. And because of that, we tend to belittle the people who came before us who actually laid down the groundwork, which is a huge reason why, despite the fact that even though yes, the '60s look like they are a, a really bad era. I, I never disrespect what they were able to to um, bring to the floor every single night when they were laying down that groundwork and that blueprint for us to continue to grow as a community and as individual ball players. You know, <laughs> Jesus, man. So I just I just checked up. I wanted to compare the stats between Del Curry and Steph Curry. Uh, by the way, uh, so Del Curry is Wardell Stephen Curry, and then Stephen Curry is Wardell Stephen Curry the second. Yeah, no. I don't know if you guys saw it. I didn't know he was like the second of the first. Anyway, uh, besides the point. So Del Curry is like, in a, everyone knew he was a three-point shooter, like just a lockdown. Uh, but he averaged at a career high in the 94-95 season, 5.2 three-point attempts per game. You compare that to his son, who at his height averaged 11.2 in the 2015-16 season. So that's more than double the threes. That has dad attempted Stephen Curry. Now, I'm pretty sure you don't know this, but I'll I'll just kind of ruin this part of the 90s for you. If I'm not mistaken, in the 95 season, they actually moved the three-point line closer to the basket. In the 95 season? Yeah, from 95, I think, all the way to 98. So, So is that 23 feet now? What was it at before? You know that, um, I, I could be a little off, but you know where the free throw line is at? Free throw line is 15 feet. Okay, but you know what, like, the dome is for the free throw line? Like, you know how it's, like, a circle at the top? And I then it's, like, a free throw line? What, that's, that's the high school three-point line. No, 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 no. The free throw line, right? I know and what you're like saying. The, f- the dome on top of that. Dome. Yeah, the dome, the dome on top of that, that's where the three-point line was. So that's high school. That's basically where they had it at. Yeah, so usually how it works is high school is right at the top of the dome around the arc to three-point line. College, I think, is a couple feet back. Then you go one more foot back for the NBA. If I'm not mistaken. It, it might it might have been a couple of feet back from there, but it was they moved it closer though, and they wanted to promote three point shooting. And so if you so go back through the history, three point line, hug the the, the semicircle on top. I'm, of, I'm almost 100 percent sure it hugged it. Okay, so that's that's high school. Sure. All right. So there's a in the 90s. There's like a spike where players start shooting threes between 95 and 98, and during that stretch, they moved the three point line closer. Which is another reason why many people try to discredit the nineties. Yeah, that actually. Which makes is another sense, reason why I discredit Reggie Miller because he's trash. Reggie Miller just trash. Because the field goal attempt, the three point attempts jump in that season to like uh, five attempts, and then after 
97 season, it dropped back down to yep. 2.8. Which, yep, actually, it. no, I think that was just, uh, that was, I think he was an injured season, but he played less minutes. So I don't know if that's going to be the case across the board, but specifically for Del Curry, it may, it, I don't think it's 97. It's, I think it's 98. That's when it, that's when it kind of drops across the board. But I just, I just know for a fact that that era, that, that stretch right there, like everyone's three point percentage and the amount of attempts that they had went through the roof during that stage. Have you ever shot low at an NBA three pointer? I know it like if that you shit look is at way the college, farther than what I what it looks like. Yeah, yeah. So if you get a chance, guys, I recommend trying it out. The high school three pointer is a breeze. It's basically a fucking mid range shot. Uh, the college one is like like it's a little D's. You know, you gotta you gotta really get your legs into it unless you're like a really big guy or you like whatever the case. But the second you step, and I know it's only like a foot back to the NBA three point line. Whatever it is, because I played at the Chicago uh, Windy City Bulls, the D-League team's facility. And I also got a chance to put up some shots in the Detroit Pistons' Little Caesars Arena. Like, it, like, it is far, man. And when you think about how Stephen Curry even takes steps beyond that and shoots the ball, and it looks like he d- takes no effort. Like, I don't know how he has the power. It's insane. You really get a chance and you put up a shot and you're like, yo, they shoot from limitless range. Is that what you're telling me? It's 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 very impressive, man, to do that and also shoot a good percentage, and and to make it look so effortless. Jeez, man, these these NBA players are something serious, bro. You know, unlike two K, that's the reason why Steph is the greatest shooter of all time, man. And you know, I was watching the uh, the Cavalier game, and I think that if I'm not mistaken, the commentator said Kyle Korver was the greatest shooter in the NBA. Like, and 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 it was. It wasn't even the Cavs broadcast I was listening to. I almost stopped for a second, like, we're just going to continue to disrespect Curry. All right, bet. Because yeah, it's Cor- not even... Yeah, Corver, Corver's definitely not this... Not it's even. not even close, neither. And it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not, not like, close. at all, whatsoever. You should make a video about that, Lo. Uh, like, the, like, you could find some sort of title, but comparing three-point shooters across eras, that'd be an interesting one. Why what? What? That's stupid. That's not stupid at all. What you mean? How would I be able to do that? Just compare using statistics and your comparative analysis. But you can't compare them across eras if there's certain rules that would that would determine where the three point line. So just is. do that. It, I'm not saying determine who's like top ten or what. Actually, that would be interesting. I'm not gonna lie. If you could figure that out, low, you might catch some heat from a guy who's like, "What you mean, Reggie Miller ain't top ten? Yeah, that's 10. what I'm saying. Like you, but, like there's no, there's no way. And if you were to make a top 10 list, like seven of them would exist in the last 10 years. So what's wrong with that? You might just... Oh, that's, that's stupid, Adrian. Come on. I'm now. just that's, saying, like, I think that... I would watch that video if you did that. Because um, I don't think anyone's ever even remotely done something like that. I, at least no, there, there, there has been someone who did it. But it's, it's just... It's just too... It's too hard to, like... It's too many, it's too many variables you have to take into account for stuff like that. But that's you do it all the time, though. You, you ask me to come up with my top ten of all time. You know how much variables is in no, just that, that question? That's that's easy because you could still regulate it to where they where they stand mm, within their on, own man. peers and com- in competition, and then compare that amongst one another. You could do the you're same te- with three point telling, shots, bro. Come on. No, you're you're telling me to look at someone who is shooting forty percent from behind the arc one season, while another player is shooting forty percent from behind the arc, even though their shot is like four feet. Further from the rim than the, than there. Come on, peers. I know, Come I on. know. I don't know how close it was in the seven ninety eight or whatever, but it wasn't no four feet closer, low. <laughs> I don't, I don't, 
I gotta go check it, bro. Cause I, I think I think it was like I think it was a huge difference. If you say if you say so, I'll check it though. But um, yeah, I mean it's it's nice talking about NBA history about you, man. I know you don't really know much, you know. Come on, love. Let's not go down. I, this I, route, I, I want you to uh, no. I'm just saying, I want you to really go ahead and get that knowledge down pat, man. You know what's crazy is like I still don't really care. Like I don't I don't care about Shaq and Penny. Until like I watch it and I'm like, yo, this is really interesting. But like before that, I I still am like, yo, why am I doing this? Like I could be like playing Fortnite right now. But then I watch it and I'm like, yo, this is fantastic. I can't believe more people don't know about this. You know? I guess, but I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, to me, it's not that impressive because I already know a lot of this stuff. So it's like, yeah, I don't really, I don't really don't want to know that much about it anymore. Uh, so, Lo, one last thing before we head out on the podcast, man. Uh, so, I believe it was David Blatt who was asked. No, it was David David Blatt, Jesus. David Griffin was asked, and he said that the Cavs didn't believe they had a chance of signing LeBron James when hiring David Blatt. And, like, they got a couple quotes and everything from them. But, like, even at times where, like, people had some sort of certainty, like LeBron's going to resign or LeBron's going to go here, uh... Basically, the Cavaliers are saying they they wouldn't have signed David Blatt if they even believed they had a one percent chance of signing LeBron James, which I thought was interesting because LeBron was the reason he effectively got fired. What is David Blatt doing right now? I think he, I think he went back overseas. Also, as a side note, it's um it's almost two feet. That that's the difference. That's what it was. Okay, because four um, sounded ridiculous. Two feet is yeah. That's I think that's I don't know if it's exactly high school. It might be a little bit further from high school, but yeah. Um. Yeah, because if I'm not mistaken, David Blatt, he's somewhere overseas, but I mean, David Blatt is, I mean, it's kind of hard to explain, but especially looking back at it now, but it, it does make sense because if I'm not mistaken, the way that they were moving in that offseason, they were moving in a direction of Kyrie is going to be our main guy and whoever we draft in this upcoming draft class who end up being Wiggins is going to be the second option. And then pick and roll style of play, which is something that Blatt was known for overseas with Kyrie Irving and having a perimeter player who potentially supposed to be a defender on the wing with Kyrie to kind of help him out. And so that makes sense theoretically. But then once LeBron gets there, you have to just readjust everything. And David Blatt, his format and his style of of play really wasn't going to benefit LeBron because LeBron would have been doing a little bit more than just pick and roll and Kyrie couldn't be out to the side defending because he was never viewed as a defender anyway. But I don't I just I don't think David Blatt was even I don't think David Blatt was even ready to be a a head coach in the in the league though. Because I don't know we, about Yeah, I don't maybe know, I don't know maybe what, you're I'm right. gonna say cuz the stuff that he was doing like there was questionable rotations they were, I mean remember that time where Ty Lue had to like pull him out to the side because he was about to call a timeout even though they didn't have any more timeouts. <laughs> yeah. And they were gonna get a technical foul for that, and they were gonna give the ball back to the Bulls, and the Bulls were gonna shoot a free throw before like they he was about to screw up that entire series. I remember that just because of that mistake. So no, yeah. I don't I don't think he was ready. And that's not like a knock on him, but I feel like the same thing about Jason Kidd. Like I don't think you should just be jumping into a situation as a head coach without taking the proper um the proper steps of becoming one. So like become an assistant first, spend some time in the coaches huddles, spend some time watching video and film. And I understand as a player, you have that, those type of advantages over some other people, but I still feel like there should be a transition from jumping from a, a 
a player to a head coach or an overseas play overseas coach to a head coach. That's another reason why I don't think Billy Donovan is a, is a good coach because he's, he took that step from the collegiate level to the NBA level. And it's very obvious that he has a hard time getting to professional players the same way that he got to some of his college players. So I, I just don't think you should be able to do that, but it, it makes sense that they wouldn't hire him if, if they knew LeBron was going to come. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, David Griffin said. Also, also, I'm, sorry, I'm also to cut you off. That's another reason why LeBron should just let people know what he's doing. Like I know he's like, I want to keep my options open. Like <laughs> just fucking just make the decision and let people know what you're doing, so we don't sit here and spend all this money in a year wasted on David Black just so we can say we're going to give him our chance. Like if that's you, a really if, good point. If he just sat there and said like, Yo, this is what I want to do. I'm I'm kind but of. But maybe he didn't know yet, right? I mean, he may not, he may not have known, but he could have like said, I've exhausted. I, he, he, I'm pretty sure he knew by the end of that Miami run. He's like, okay, I've exhausted my, my, uh, opportunities here with Miami. Bosch isn't looking the same. And plus, I want to go back to Cleveland and figure out what's going on. Like, you just need to make the decision. Yeah. So the yeah. team you're going to, they don't make decisions that contradict what you're about to do. That's the reason why he just needs to start doing this. But this whole, I don't know, man. I don't know what I'm going to do. Shut the fuck up. You know what you're about yeah. to do, bro. You, David I mean, Griffin like, said, at least we really believed direction. he was going to take at least a year to figure out whether or not we can build in a positive direction. And so that's, a, he gotta, that's a wasted year. Yeah, it was a wasted year. I don't think he's a, he was necessarily a bad coach. I mean, even you just said questionable rotations. You could accuse Ty Lue or really any coach of doing the same. I don't uh, think Ty I mean, Lue should be. I think uh, Ty Lue was like a, a head, I mean, assistant coach for like one year. I don't know whether he deserved it or not. I just know that that's what LeBron is comfortable with. And if that's what LeBron is comfortable with, then you just got to keep him where he's at. You can't even, like, you can't even consider moving that. You really, like, if you're a GM or the coach of a team that has a star as big as someone like Kobe or Mike or LeBron James, you basically are at the mercy of whatever they want because the last thing you want to do is upset them. Like, I was at, for example, I was at the 2K League draft uh, a few days ago. And so I was, in, I was in the war room, and I was talking to the guys that was being drafted. So the Raptors uprising drafted their first two picks, who coincidentally both played on the same prime team. But then I was asking a couple of them questions. I was recording them just to see for, like, social media purposes. And, like, I was like, yeah, which player would you want to play with? And then he said, yo, this player. And so in an attempt to help make those guys comfortable and happy, immediately Shane was like, yo, yeah, let's see if this guy's available. And then if he's available, we'll pick him up in the third round. And so, yeah, you're right. You need to allow them to build around you. You can't do that unless you tell them exactly what's on your mind or what you're looking for. And, like, he kind of just keeps that shit quiet all the time. And then the LeBron fans are like, yo, look look how he has no help. But it's like, yo, he brought it upon himself, you know? He could have gotten more help. He just had to point the jam into the right direction. Not only that, like, and, it's not just he's waiting until the last second. It's also, like, he's going to these teams that potentially may not have any help in the next, like, two years. It's like, okay... I don't, I don't know, but like that thing is like he, like him and Chris Paul, and I, and I applaud them for this. But they like they, they really push heavy for players that have the ability to do what they want to do in free agency, and then yeah. they're the ones who taking advantage of it. And again, I have no problem with it, but you can't turn around and sit there and tell me that oh he doesn't have any help when he's the one who's deciding he's the, he's the one who's deciding which team he wants to go to. Like that's that's what he's doing. He knows for a fact he'd be probably better off just going to the Spurs, but you know he ain't going to no Spurs. He ain't yeah, doing he that ain't shit. Do that. He ain't doing that. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, man. So, anyway, we'll end it on that note. We'll we'll talk uh, just your highlight player real quick, bro. And, yo, how about we do this? Uh, after the highlight player every podcast, man, I'll, I'll leave a doc. I'll, I'll mention a documentary that I feel like if you have time, Trash. you should watch. Actually, real quick, before we end this, because I feel we got we got a little bit more time because we um, messed up the audio somewhere in the middle. Yo. You messed up the audio. Yeah, I did mess up the audio. Um, On Twitter, I did this little thing where I, 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 I posted up two teams. And I want you to tell. I want you to tell me who would you pick? What are, are you gonna link it to me or? Oh no! I just. I mean, I. I. I know. I'll just explain it to you. All right. So Team A consists of um, Steve Nash at point, Clay Thompson. Oh, I saw that. That was a really tough one. But keep going, just for the people. Okay. So Team A is Steve Nash, Clay Thompson, Kawhi Leonard, and Anthony Davis, and Team B. Is Gary Payton, D Wade, Sean Marion, and Dirk? All of these players are in their prime. Who who would you pick? Which team would you pick? Uh, I think like this is very tough, but I think I'll go with Team A because I I look at their offensive output and all of those guys can drop buckets. Now the same goes for Team B, but I don't think to the same degree. Like Steve Nash, easily a better scorer than Gary Payton. Kawhi, I think, is a better scorer than Sean Marion. Uh, I think you get a little bit of Dirk stretching the floor if you pick him. But then Dwayne Wade's not really a good three-point shooter. I just feel like Team A is a little bit more versatile. Nash, Klay Thompson, Kawhi, and Davis. And because those are three phenomenal defenders you're pairing with Nash, any liability he is defensively, they won't have any trouble picking up for. Okay, so this is how, this is how me and my friends made this list. We picked two players who weren't known for their their defense, which is Dirk and Nash. And the first three, uh, it's, it's hard to explain, but the first team is filled with players who people try to make arguments that they are system players. Steve Nash, system player with the Suns. Klay Thompson, system player with the Warriors. And, and um, Kawhi, who's a system player. With the um the Spurs, obviously, right? And then you just have a, a, an extremely talented player in Anthony Davis. Then in play on Team B, it's just a whole bunch of talented players, well-rounded players, GP, D-Wade, and um, Dirk, and then a system player with Sean Marion. And you try to figure out who would you pick. I pick Team B, and again, the thing is close, though. I don't think it's like a right or wrong answer. But I pick Team B. Because how poor of a defender Nash is. I don't know who Nash would guard in that situation. I don't think Dwayne Wade's like a good defender neither. And you're, f- you're 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 retarded then. You're just I would because you put you you're putting stupid. Dwayne Wade you're putting you're Dwayne stupid. Wade in the same category as literally top tier defenders in Clay Thompson, Davis, Kawhi, Gary He's just Payton. as good as a defender as, as Clay Thompson. No, he's not and he's not near those guys. What you mean, Lo? Let's wrap up this. Let's let's wrap up this podcast, agent. You think let's Gary Payton and let's Dwayne Wade are the same defensively? I said I said or, Clay Thompson. I said Clay Thompson. I, I'm mentioning just all of them in total are better defenders than Dwayne Wade. Those two. Clay those Thompson. Four. Say what? Say it. You say you think Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson, better, Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis, no, 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 and Gary no, no, Payton no, no. are all better just defenders. Just Clay Thompson is a better defender than D Wade in his prime. Even if in the prime, I agree. No, you're stupid. You don't know who D Wade is. And, Anyway, I, I do know when I watch. No, you D-Wade. don't. You don't know who D Wade is if you really believe it. Anyway, I feel like D Wade is the only reason that that would even be close because Kawhi, I would take over Sean Marion in an instant, and I would rather take Steve Nash than Gary Payton. Obviously, look, just real quick before we uh, leave. Interestingly enough, I don't know if I talked to you about this, but 
Steve Nash said that he wishes he would have been more aggressive in his career, that he was a little bit more passive. I literally put and this he, on my Twitter. I don't know if you put it in there. I just read an article about it. Yeah, you're, you're um, mad late. Yeah, I, I know he wishes he was more aggressive because he knows for a fact what he did wrong. He, he, he allowed that whole narrative of, oh, you got to pass the ball as a point guard to take over his career and look at him now. Looking I don't foolish. think he allowed a narrative to do anything. I just think he no. built his brand as the guy who's a phenomenal passer and a great three point shooter. The, and that's the reason why, if we just talking about strictly talent, so we talking about strictly talent. Gary Payton, Gary Payton is better than Steve Nash, bro. Uh, I feel like I if we're if we're, talk, if we're talking about strictly talent, not career, just, just talking about who's a better player. Forget what's Gary, strictly talent. What does that mean? Okay, who's a better player, Gary Payton? Yeah, I think Gary Payton's more all around, but if you ask me who I want on my team, I would say Steve Nash. No, it's Gary Payton. But the only reason why I picked Team B is because Steve Nash couldn't guard anyone. That would be the problem, and it's that would be a, a very massive problem. You could argue the same about Dirk when it comes to Anthony Davis. That is true, but Dirk on the other end can still put up points on Anthony Davis. You don't think Nash can put up points on Gary Payton? No. You might be wilding, bro. <laughs> on, on Gary Payton? Listen, I know, I know, I know, I know Gary Payton's that guy, bro, but that's that's Steve Nash. First of all, and Nash wasn't even a scorer anyway. We just you literally just sat there and said you wish he was more aggressive. But he wasn't even a scorer. But that doesn't mean with. he couldn't have been aggressive. He on just Gary, wishes he was on, he would choose to be aggressive while being guarded by Gary Payton of all people. Are you serious? I'm listen, man. No, if he you couldn't. Had, you know he couldn't. I, I'm not saying who's who's like that's that's you'd have to dive deep to get into a whole argument like that. I just think uh, Team A has more upside. Plus, like yo, damn Anthony Davis has been killing it this year, bro. You want that's on my team too? Oh man! And I and I get it. I hear you. But KG used to be killing it, and KG could not guard Dirk. Dirk used to be giving KG the business. Yeah, no one can guard Dirk though. <laughs> like that knee shit he does is just unguardable. Period. That's what I'm saying. So I understand what you're saying though, because I definitely don't believe that Dirk could guard KG. I mean, Dirk could guard Anthony Davis at all. However, the difference between the two, I guess, defensive liabilities in Nash and Dirk is that Dirk could easily still get off his get off the points that he needs to get off. Whereas Nash, I don't. He's just not. He's not going to score. I think Nash. Payton. I think Nash would be more dependent on who he has there for his pick and roll. But considering his fucking Anthony Davis, I feel like I'd give him the edge. Um, he just couldn't guard. He he couldn't score. I don't think Gary he'd be Payton able. To, I don't think he'd be able to beat Gary Payton on ISO. He would. You There's might, no you, way. You're right with that. There's no way. But There's off no of pick way. and roll, like it's not just about Gary Payton's defense or ability to slip through screens. It's about being able to communicate with his teammates. And then if you have Anthony Davis, who could either pop midi. Or even three pointers now, or roll like I don't like Anthony Davis, Steve Nash. You should, you should, that's just a dream pick and roll right there, man. I I, nah, I, I, man. I hear what you're saying though. I mean, I, I, again, that's why I say it's it's a it, it yeah. was it was tough though. But I still feel like Steve Nash defensively would is where I that right there was just a huge question mark for me because I don't know who's who the worst defender, like. Steve Nash or uh, DeRozan. Steve Nash, because because I've been watching DeRozan a lot recently, bro, and. <laughs> There's so many times where like he just somebody just walks by him, and it, it doesn't even have to be like an explosive player or a really quick player. It is uncanny how many times it happens. And you should be, really you should have been watching Steve Nash. People used to see. people used to stroll by Steve Nash. Yeah, I mean, anyway, uh, I'm just saying, I man. I'm just I have to saying. watch him. I have to watch some documentaries on the two-time MVP, Steve Nash, man. You know. Yo, I actually, low, I was such a fan of Steve Nash growing up because he was Canadian. 
that my first ever email address was uh, my name underscore sons13. You like, should probably keep that to yourself. Nah, I'm just telling you. Like, nah, don't ever, was... don't ever let nobody know yeah, that. Yeah, I'm just letting you know, though. That's all, man. Hey, what's your highlight player, Lo? <laughs> um, my highlight pay- player is um, Nurkic. And I don't, I don't think that, um, really, I don't think that whole Blazer team gets enough credit for what they've been doing over the last uh, 20 games. And the fact that they've been able to push themselves into the third seed is extremely impressive. But as I was doing my video explaining, um, how, like, the biggest surprises, it just dawned on me while I was doing that video that the Blazers are actually one of the better teams when it comes to interior defense. And that's, that's all Nurkic. And defensively as a whole, that, that team has become significantly better. And, and Nurkic is the one who's actually been stepping up a lot on a defensive end, which is something that they obviously been looking for over the past two to three years after they lost, um, um, Robin Lopez and, and Lamarcus Aldridge. So I got to give a huge shout out to, um, give a huge shout out to my man Nurkic, man. All right, uh, I'm gonna give it to Ben Simmons, who was just that out is of a control. fact. That is a fact. He is out of control right now. Yeah, he's been balling, bro, and like he's not really a three point threat neither. A lot like Giannis, so the fact that he's still able to get to the rim, even though people know they could sag on him, really speaks to like how athletic and dominant he's about to be in the NBA, and how athletic and dominant he's been, especially in that Cleveland Cavalier game. He had like 28 points or something and a massive triple double. So. Uh, Shout out to Ben Simmons, bro. He deserves a highlight he's, player. He's already better than Kimba Walker, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, okay. I'm, I'm trying to figure out where would I rank him right now. I'm not going. I'm not going to say it, but I mean, he's already better than Kimba. Lord, the people want to know your rankings, man. You need to release them. What a face. What do I sound like right now? Who do I sound like? I don't know. I don't know. Who do you? You, sound like? man. You, you, low. What a face. What a face. What a face. All right. Anyway, on that note, uh, I recommend this week that you watch that Iverson podcast. Very emotional. Iverson uh, podcast or Iverson documentary? Oh, Iverson documentary. Oh, you what might have a, a podcast. But watch the and, and prepare to be emotional, bro. Bring some tissues with you, man, because you're going to see the shit he went through if you don't already know. And then you're going to feel some type of way, man. You might you might hate David Stern after watching that because it doesn't get into detail about the shit David Stern put him through. But I'm just saying... I'm just saying, I'm just saying, man. But if you guys enjoy, make sure to drop a like, subscribe if you guys are new. I'm wildin'. But do leave a five star. Yeah, you are wildin'. I just thought of what you just said. <laughs> thank you guys for watching and, and listening. I'm tripping right now. Uh, this is the Off Top Podcast, a.k.a. the Ninth Seed Podcast. And we'll catch y'all later. I'm out. Peace. Peace. You're so corny. It's, it's mine, Lo. No, Give it's it up. not. It's, first of all, you didn't even allow me to say bye to the people. See y'all oh, later, say people. Bye. Say bye. See y'all. See y'all later, podcast people. It's the one and only Peace. legend of winning, aka Low. Come on, you don't need your own outro. I just gave the podcast. Chill out, bro. chill out, chill out, chill out, chill out, chill out, chill out. You just gave your own outro for an outro, like Jesus, bro. We just outro twice. That's tough. But you're tr- you're sitting here trying to just steal my piece. You know what I'm saying? It's mine now. I'm just telling you, it's mine now. That's all. Excuse me, sir. Yeah, hang on a sec. You've been riding this thing all day, and my son would like a turn. Hmm, he seems to be young for this twin-cylinder hog, doesn't he? It's a coin-operated kitty bike. No, ma'am, it's a coin-operated freedom machine. No, it's a kitty bike. It's hard to be without your bike, so do something easy and protect it with Progressive Motorcycle Insurance. With basic policies as low as $75 a year, you'll be back on the road in no time. Visit Progressive.com to quote today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states.